1: And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Friday, November the 10th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. On November 10th, 1775, the U.S. Marines were organized under authority of the Continental Congress. Today in 1871, journalist explorer Henry M. Stanley, he found Scottish missionary David Livingston, who had not been heard from for years. He found him near Lake Tanganyika in Central Africa. It's said that when Stanley first spotted Livingston, he walked up to him and said, Mr. Livingston, I presume. Today in 1951, customer dialed long-distance telephone service. I know those of you 30 and under don't even know what I'm talking about. But we used to have to get the operator to place a long-distance call. Well... Today in 1951, customer di- dial long-distance telephone service began. Mayor Leslie Denning of Inglewood, New Jersey, called Alameda, California the Mayor Frank Osborne without operator assistance. Today in 1954, the U.S. Marine Corps Memorial depicting the raising of the American flag on Iwo Jima in 1945. It was dedicated by President Dwight D. Eisenhower in Arlington, Virginia. And today in 1969, Sesame Street made its debut on National Educational Television. We know it as PBS. Today in 1975, the UN General Assembly approved a resolution equating Zionism with racism. The world body later repealed the resolution in December of 1991. Frankly, I don't care, and I think a lot of you don't either, what the UN Assembly has to say, except for the fact that it gives us an idea of where the globalists are at on any given day, what they're thinking. Today in 1982, the newly finished Vietnam Veterans Memorial was open to the first visitors in Washington, D.C., three days before its official dedication. As you probably know, and should know, Tomorrow is Veterans Day. A number of institutions, I think the post office and other places are closed today in honor of Veterans Day. President Ronald Reagan once said, Veterans Day gives all Americans a special opportunity to pay tribute to all those men and women who throughout our history have left their homes and loved ones to serve their country. Their willingness to give freely and unselfishly of themselves, even their lives, in defense of our democratic principles, has given our great country security. On this special day, our hearts and thoughts turn to all the nation's veterans. Let us reflect on our great achievements of those whose sacrifices preserved our freedom and our way of life. With a spirit of pride and gratitude. No, not that kind of pride. He was talking about a different kind of pride, the normal kind of pride. I urge all Americans to recognize the valor and sacrifice of our veterans through appropriate public ceremonies and private prayers. Well, there are a lot of public ceremonies going on over the weekend, thankfully, and many prayers, I hope, for our veterans. God bless our veterans. Pray for America and try to find a veteran this weekend. Somewhere, Maybe there's one in your family. Maybe it's someone else. Just find a veteran and say thank you for your service. Every year we celebrate Veterans Day on November the 11th. Honor the country's veterans, their patriotism, their willingness to serve, their sacrifice for the common good. I want to leave you with five things today about Veterans Day. Then I want to talk to you about the media Israel, and Gaza. There is no end, uh, evidently, there is no end to where certain people will go to get a picture or a story. And there is no end to what the media, American media, the mainstream media will do to impact and twist and mislead the public regarding any given story. We'll get to that in a minute. Five things that we might know, but we should know, if not, about Veterans Day. First, Veterans Day was initially called Armistice Day. Armistice Day began as a celebration recognizing the victory of the Allied forces during World War I. It was renamed Veterans Day in 1954. It's now dedicated to veterans of all wars. Number two, there's no apostrophe in Veterans Day. The lack of an apostrophe in Veterans Day implies that the occasion doesn't belong to the veterans. Rather, it's a day that honors all soldiers who once served their country, both dead and alive. Veterans Day is different from Memorial Day. Number three, Memorial Day explicitly honors military members who have lost their lives while serving. Veterans Day is inclusive, more inclusive than that. Number four, other countries celebrate Veterans Day as well. On November the 11th, several other Commonwealth countries, including Canada, Australia, And uh, they also honor soldiers who lost their lives in wars. However, in these countries, the occasion is called Remembrance Day instead of Veterans Day. And number five, Veterans Day was briefly celebrated in October, not November. In 1968, the Uniform Holidays Bill was passed, which moved Veterans Day to the fourth Monday in October. The law went into effect in 1971, but in 1975... President Gerald Ford returned Veterans Day to November the 11th due to the important historical significance of that date. Do you know what that significance is? I'll tell you what it is. If you don't know, if you do, you can be reminded. November the 11th is Veterans Day of the United States for much of the rest of the world, and especially in Europe, it's Armistice Day. But that day, this day, tomorrow... Is marked marks the end of World War One on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month in 1918 when the armistice was signed after over 20 million people had lost their lives in that horrible event. War is hell, but Jesus said, There will always be wars and rumors of wars. Indeed there will be. Hebrews chapter four, verse fifteen says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities the feeling of our infirmities. But was in all points tested and tempted like as we are, yet without sin. I was pondering that verse this earlier this morning, and I I remembered an old song we used to sing in the church I grew up in. Maybe some of you who grew up during that era in church, maybe you remember this song. But the words, some of the lyrics, I think would be good to be heard again today. We don't sing these songs a lot in churches for the most part anymore. But the old hymn says, Does Jesus care when my heart is pained too deeply for myrrh or song? As the burdens press and the cares distress and the way grows weary and long? Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary and the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. Another stanza is, Does Jesus care when my way is dark with a nameless dread and fear? As the daylight fades into the night, deep night shades, does he care enough to be near? And then again, oh yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary, the long night dreary, I know my Savior cares. Another verse, does Jesus care what I've tried and failed? To resist some tempting strong, some temptation strong? When my deep grief, there is no relief. Though my tears flow all the night long. Oh yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary, the long night dreary. I know my Savior cares. Does Jesus care when I've said goodbye to the dearest on earth to me? and my sad heart aches till it nearly breaks is it not to him does he see oh yes he cares i know he cares his heart is touched with my grief when the days are weary the long night dreary i know my savior cares yes he cares he cares Even when we've tried and failed to resist some temptation strong, when my deep grief there is no relief, he cares. He cares about all of that because Jesus, as we read from scripture, has been touched by all of the emotions and all of the difficulties that we experience in our life. Whatever it is that you're going through, Jesus is walking beside you, not As a stranger from heaven, but as someone who has lived this life, God in the flesh, and he's touched by the challenges, by the difficulties that you and I face in our lives, he knows, he cares, and he loves you. Perhaps that was just for you today, and you take that as a word from the Lord, because it is the Lord's word I got this letter from one of our listeners, longtime supporter of this ministry. He said, Dear Gary, thank you for keeping us informed with a Christian perspective on current events. We appreciate the work you and your staff do to help us be alert and vigilant. He said, We often often forward the links to your friends and family. That would be from uh, what we write every day on our website. We source it from where we're getting that information from and people do appreciate that he says we forwarded to our family and fr- to our friends and family who are appreciative and not so appreciative <laughs> to be kept informed he said one of my favorite quotes in that regard is ignorance and denial of the truth does not protect you from the consequences of ignorance and denial of the truth he was quoting Ayn Rand he said one one that's not so profound another saying But he said, one that is not so profound. He said, we are all born ignorant. It takes an extra effort to remain stupid. (laughs) That's true. I have not heard that one. But nonetheless, I certainly agree with it. And we have a lot of people that are making an extra effort in our government right now, don't we? He said, we know your love of coffee and endorse the HRC coffee roasted by Tom Sawyer's Country Coffee in Rockford, Washington. We want you to enjoy it. Sent some coffee, bag, bags of coffee in the mail. He said it represent, HRC represents Harry, Randall, and Caleb, three generations of the Ultimeyers of Spokane associated with the Union Gospel Mission. He said when the bag is empty, you can, you can get another one of the same or different roast from Tom Sawyer's. So I'm saying this to thank him and others who do this kind of thing, and to let you know that if you live in the area, Tom Sawyer's Coffee has given us some free coffee. Someone paid for it, but we didn't, so thank you. Thank you for all of that. He said, enjoy a few pots of Joe on us. Grateful for your ministry to us. Thank you. I'm grateful to all of you who support this ministry. We uh, wouldn't be having this conversation without you. So thank you so much. We need your support each month, every month. We need you to stand with us. These are trying times. These are perilous times. These are confusing times. And we try to separate truth from fiction. We try to straight talk. And we try to talk about the things that are important to all of us from a biblical perspective. So thank you for supporting that effort. Our address is Box 399 Bellevue, Washington 988. Zero zero nine, Box 399 Bellevue 98009. Our website is faithandfreedomandfreedom.us. There are many faith and freedoms out there now, so be sure it's faithandfreedom.us because it's easy to get on other websites, .us, not .com. And uh, you can read some of the things I talk about on this program each day, and you can find the sources there where that is coming from, where we've learned what we're talking about. People appreciate that, and we, we do it for that reason. We want people to be informed. I want to be informed. I want you to be informed because we need to know. God wants us to know and understand our times, and I believe many of you do, and I'm grateful for that. Seattle uh, Como News put out a story this morning. The FBI agents confirmed yesterday they were investigating whoever sent suspicious letters, including some containing fentanyl, to uh, elections offices in five Washington counties this week. Law enforcement is working diligently to intercept any additional letters before they're delivered, an FBI statement said. The Pierce County Auditor's Office, that's Tacoma area, released images of the letter it received showing it had been postmarked in Portland, Oregon, and it read, End Elections Now. In Seattle, King County Elections Director Julie Wise said the letter appeared to be the same one her office received and that it was very familiar to the one King County received during the August primary, which also contained fentanyl. Investigations are underway as letters with fentanyl targeted election offices across the multiple states earlier as well. On Wednesday, authorities in Washington said four election counties in the state had to be evacuated as election workers were processing ballots cast in Tuesday's election, delaying the vote counting. Uh, We've been through that before. Anyway, election offices in King, Skagit, Spokane and Pierce counties received envelopes containing the power. Local law enforcement officials said the substances in King and Spokane counties field tested positive for fentanyl. At least in one case, one substance was baking soda. Anyway, there's a longer story, but wanted to make you aware of that. Those of you who live in Washington state and in Oregon if the, some of these envelopes apparently were mailed from Portland area. We live in unprecedented times, but we stand and live on the rock of Jesus Christ. During this last attack, this horrible, horrific attack on Jews, on Israel, Did it ever occur to you that the media was getting an awfully lot of close-up pictures of Hamas fighters? It did to me. I I saw that and I wondered, what is this? How do these guys get so close to the enemy without being killed? You know, dumb me. Well, now (laughs) I know the answer. We've now learned that they were able to get up close pictures of Hamas warriors because they made a deal with them. They did. They did. Israel Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu found out about that this week, and boy, he came out swinging against the mainstream media networks, primarily those in America, but elsewhere. He said those, their journalists were caught embedded in, photograph, in, uh, it, it, in photographs with Hamas terrorists during the October 7 elect, uh, uh, attack. He said, here are the media organizations that hooked up with Hamas and what Netanyahu, Netanyahu had to say about it. So it, 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 I mean, when you think you've heard it all, you haven't. Yesterday, Netanyahu called the photojournalists accomplices in crimes against humanity. He said condemning mainstream media outlets, and he named them Reuters, the Associated Press, CNN, and the New York Times. He said, you've been working with unknown terrorist groups. Here's exactly what he said. He said, the National Public Diplomacy uh, Directorate in the Prime Minister's office views with utmost gravity, the photojournalist working with the international media joining in covering the brutal acts of murder perpetrated by Hamas terrorists on Saturday, uh, October 7, in the communities adjacent to the Gaza Strip. Netanyahu said these journalists were accomplices In crimes against humanity, their actions were contrary to professional ethics. Overnight, the government press office issued an urgent letter to the bureau chiefs of the media organizations, the ones that employed these photographers, and sought clarifications on the matter. Netanyahu continued, he said, the National Public Diplomacy uh, Directorate demands that immediate action be taken. Well, shortly after the news broke, Israel Minister of Communications, this Dr. Karhai, he wrote a scathing letter to the liberal outlets, demanding that they decide if they stand on the side of life and good or on the side of depraved terrorism, inhumanity, and evil. He said the gravity of the situation demands a swift and thorough response. He said it's now time for individuals, journalists, institutions, unions, and organizations around the world to make a clear choice. Late Wednesday, kind of sounds like one of his forefathers, Joshua. Anyway, late Wednesday night, photographs circulated, the Internet revealing several journalists journalists standing near Hamas, Hamas' terrorists. The allegations are accusing them of being complicit in the attacks that left more than 1,400 people dead, of course. The New York Times, their attempt to explain this is pathetic. I mean, it really is. It's pathetic. Several photojournalists were revealed to have been embedded with Hamas. I mean, there's no question about it. There's pictures of them with these guys. That immediately raised serious questions about possible foreknowledge of participation. How did these guys meet up with the terrorists so they could get in their jeeps with them and go kill a bunch of Jews? I mean, how did did that all work? Somebody knew in advance what these guys were going to do. And these photojournalists, I mean, they weren't just, you know, hitching a ride down the road when all this happened. And some Hamas guy drives up and says, hey, yeah, buddy, jump in the back. We'll take you where you want to go. I mean, that's not the way it happened. So who knew and when did they know this? Obviously, they knew it in advance. In at least one instance, a journalist is seen in a video carried a journalist carrying a grenade while riding across the border with Hamas fighters. What truly made this a scandal, though, was the fact that the journalists in question were contractors for major U.S. news outlets, including CNN, Associated Press, Reuters, and the New York Times. There may be more, but those have been identified, and they don't deny. In fact, many of the first pictures we saw of the attacks came from those outlets. And now we know that they were paying these photojournalists for their photographs. But while CNN and uh, Associated Press, when this became light and came out in the public just yesterday, they immediately cut ties and they denounced what was discovered. The New York Times, though, did not. They made this astonishing statement. They They really do believe that we're ignorant little people out here. They do. So they, in it, the newspaper defended the journalist in question and gl- and claimed that these journalists were actually the victims. We've heard that line before, haven't we? The Times said the accusation that anyone at the New York Times had advanced knowledge of the Hamas attacks or accompanied Hamas terrorists during the attacks is untrue and outrageous. Well, how did these Photo journalist guys know which Jeep to get in. How do they know to show up right on time? I mean, we've seen this before. We've seen photojournalists siding in the weeds of people's houses well in advance, CNN, for example, well in advance of some F- FBI raid on someone's home. They were tipped off. So they were there, had their cameras ready to roll. They got it all on video. We say, wow, that's really. But sometimes we don't ask, how did they know? And people were asking about this. How did they know this? I mean, well, the answer is pretty clear. Hamas told them what they were going to do. But they were, <laughs> they were the victims. The Times said the accusation that anyone at the New York Times had advanced knowledge of the Hamas attacks or accompanying Hamas terrorists during the attacks is untrue and outrageous. It is reckless to make such allegations putting our journalists on the ground in Israel and Gaza at risk. You victimized our employees because you saw them in the Jeep carrying a and another guy carrying a grenade with a moss. Given that the Times was one of the chief outlets that spread the fake story about Israel bombing the hospital in Gaza, remember that? I mentioned that when we came on the air that day, it's been a, a week or so, it was right after October 7th, I don't remember the date, but I mentioned it on, on this program. I said, man, there's, the news, New York Times in particular, was carrying this story, how that Israel had bombed this hospital and blah, blah, blah. Well, first of all, the hospital, we found out hours later, wasn't bombed, it was standing, the parking lot got bombed, and it was bombed not by Israel— but by the terrorists, maybe accidentally. But nonetheless, it wasn't Israel, as the media was claiming. Where did they get, what was the source of their story? It was Hamas. Hamas gave them a press story on that, and they ran with it. They published it. Now they're saying, New York Times is saying, well, you've made our people victims. It wasn't, they're not the oppressors. They're the oppressed. Oh, boy. This has happened so many times in history. The Times spent much of its coverage in so many stories, so many times, flirting with evil, if not outright covering for it at times. This is one of those times. That's what they're doing. They're covering for it. this is the reason that these journalists didn't publish pictures of children being killed or women being raped both things that we know happened I mean we know it happened now the reason is that they weren't actually journalists because there are no journalists in Gaza they're only propagandists who operate at the behest of the terrorist government for the times to pretend to be there's an honest journalism going around in Hamas is laughable And it's immoral. That's the world we live in. And that's why it's so important that we are informed, not misled. Because there are those who seek to mislead every single day. Every time you turn on the media, every time you pick up a newspaper, for the most part, they are trying to make you believe something they want you to believe. They want you to direct your life in a certain direction. Thank you so much for being with me today. Have a wonderful weekend on Veterans Day. Thank a veteran. I'll see you Monday.
0: Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.